What do a group of politically active high school students think of AI? I'm Robert Hunt, and this is Interfaith Encounters from the Digitally Mediated Ministries Lab at Perkins School of Theology in Southern Methodist University. Today, I'm with high school students who explore what AI means to their faith. Hello, my name is Rizwan Khan. I go by Riz, and I'm with Politics for Teens. We're a youth-based organization pending nonprofit that looks to educate others about political topics right, and encourage others to look beyond the veil of one side and partisanship and one side and the other side, and to truly dive into research about different issues. I'm also a junior at Plano West Senior High School, and where I've really been deeply invested in AI due to the implications had on my student life. My name is Hasrao Azizi, but most people call me Ko. I am a software developer and am also part of the organization Politics for Teens as a director of curriculum. And I am primarily here to sort of share my experiences, not only in a technical side, but also from a religious perspective regarding AI and possible implications it might have for our future and our generation. My name is Max. I'm the vice president of Politics for Teens. I have a great interest in computer science and AI. I'm the junior officer at our school's computer club. And today I'm interested in talking about AI and how it relates to religion, especially Catholicism. Yeah, so AI has really tremendously grown in the past couple of months, especially. And for me as a student, I primarily experienced it through ChatGPT, which I'm sure everybody has heard of. It's been a pretty helpful resource when I need to research things or I need to look up, you know, certain information. I have not used it to cheat is what I'll say. I'm a very good boy. So I try to make sure that I'm using it primarily to look up, you know, if I don't know something for a homework assignment or I need help, you know, writing an email to somebody just more general stuff. And then I've also been really, you know, I'm into current events a lot. So I've heard recently a lot about, you know, Bard, also Bing opening up something with the AI chatbot. And then also, you know, hearing about what the implications of AI has had for politics as people are starting to look into regulations here in the United States, but also in countries like Italy and Germany, where it's been heavily scrutinized as well. So, you know, Co. Yes. So, I've had a great deal of technical experience with AI and also have been a major user of it in recent months as well. I would say my original experience with AI goes back when I was in eighth grade. I sort of began taking an interest as well due to my previous programming experience. I wanted to create models and learn a lot more about AI because I sort of saw as an early vision what AI might be able to achieve, things like possibly cure cancer or find cancer cells and create strains of protein that might be able to cure diseases. And in general, things like generate images or look at a piece of text and possibly determine details and tones and further linguistic details regarding it. And so that was my original encounter with AI. And furthermore, in my iSchool career, I also decided to get into further expanding my knowledge of AI in 10th grade when I created another model that predicted and forecasted different prices for stock markets. And so that was also another part of my experience with AI. On top of all that technical experience, I would say I've also had a great deal of using AI 
last year around summertime. Dal E from OpenAI mm. was the image creator that sort of sprung into existence and became very popular. And I've used that quite a bit ever since. And also, as Rizwan mentioned, ChatGPT. Mm. I've used that a lot to research many topics, learned a lot of new things and build new skills. And I think it has quite a bit of an impact, not only in different industries. We've already seen many businesses spur through ChatGPT and also even using multiple models to generate images, but then also look through text. And it's quite, quite interesting and has a great prospect for the future. And I would like to hear what Max sort of has when it comes to his experience with AI. My experience really starts this year. I remember we had a school project, me and Co together, at the beginning of the year where we had to make a school from scratch with our own oh. ideas. And one of our ideas was to make a school that used classical architecture. And so we're both really bad drawers. I'm speaking for myself, I assume for code too. No offense, sorry. But to illustrate a picture of a school built with classical architecture, we used OpenAI's image generating software. And we did a good on that project. But it's incredible the level of detail those images have that don't really exist in real life. Yeah, I mean, all we really did was create an account and sort of give it a prompt describe what the school might look like, the type of architecture. And you can go in great detail when it comes to what you might want it to depict in a particular image, and it'll very much present that to you in great detail. And specifically, Dolly is very good at depicting realistic imagery, whereas there are also other image generators that might be very good at creating just art. And so that was a very interesting experience, sort of seeing Doll E and AI in a very practical use case and presenting a possible school creatively. I want to, you know, just talk about that real quick. That idea of, you know, AI, especially recently generating images, I think it's called generative AI, right? That's what mm -hmm. it's classified as. Is there a sense you guys think of a lack of originality in that regard? Because, you know, now we're seeing AI then compete with other artists and people who are also trying to you know, demonstrate their artistic ability. And now we're seeing AI being able to do that at such a, you know, faster rate and, you know, perceptually even at a better rate as well. And I've seen that's also come up recently with a lot of problems with copyright as well. Mm -hmm. I think Getty Images is suing Stable Diffusion, I believe it's called. Yes, yes. Yes, for that copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. So is there a lack of originality when it comes to AI generating those images? Well, I would say... What goes into art, it's not only just what you think about creatively, but also your ability to draw itself. Mm. And what AI does is take away that second component. Mm. And so what that really means is, at least from my own understanding, I think that there can be instances and competitions where people use AI-generated imagery, but we can't have both individuals that draw by hand and also people who just simply use AI to compete together because those are in many different ways just separate skills. But yes, in itself, it's a great ability to be able to describe an image creatively within your possible language. Maybe it's sometimes impossible to describe what you might be feeling in your head and sort of tell that to an AI to depict but I think it sort of goes into its own little category of competition. Mm. And then when it comes to the discussion of copyright, mm. a lot of the data sets that OpenAI uses to train its images 
our copyrighted material mm-hmm. from Getty and also just in general stock imagery. For example, just from a personal experience, I've generated a lot of images, probably in the hundreds by now. And I've realized that sometimes there are sort of watermarks and images <laughs> yeah. from Getty. And that automatically speaks for itself. Like, okay, these images have been used to train these models, but OpenAI never necessarily asked for permission. And that's quite a big moral dilemma. I know Getty Images is sort of now working with NVIDIA. Mainly people hear about NVIDIA through their GPUs. And since NVIDIA is working on an AI model that can generate videos, Getty has sort of partnered up with NVIDIA to provide training data to hopefully create better models. And I think if there is agreement in that sense, then there is no issue when it comes to training those models. But otherwise, maybe a photo that I took online went into that data set. I never gave permission for that photo to be used. And now OpenAI is profiting off of that. That's a great point. Thank you for that's a good, great answer. I also want to, you know, touch into that idea. I think this also goes with religion. It's this idea of experience, right? You want to experience some tangible feeling. I'm a religious guy, right? You know, when I pray, I look for the feeling that I get from it, right? This idea of, you know, putting all my emotions out to God is what I believe, right? So then correlating that here to just in general using AI, right? Are we losing that experience of going in and then being able to, you know, let's say I'm writing an essay, right? Is it losing that experience to go through the process of researching about the different topics? Or, you know, let's say it's about writing an essay about how Italy has declined economically. Are we losing that experience of going out and researching about the history and this and that? Or just, you know, somebody who goes into AI and says, write up an essay about how Italy has declined economically, right? So that goes to, I want to, you know, just get your guys' thoughts on that idea of experience versus efficiency, which experience is seen more in like religious aspect. And then efficiency, we're seeing this more with AI. So Max? I got to say that when it comes to writing an essay or for making art, whenever AI makes an art, I believe it lacks like the human touch to it. It may look like a human made it, but In essence, there's no soul behind the artwork. And I think an issue with AI is that with this very easy tool available to all of us to make something, for example, to make art, people are going to not use their own creativity to express their ideas, but rather use artificial intelligence. I think this is going to drain away a lot of creativity and a lot of art. Koa, what do you think about that? Well, in general, efficiency is a positive thing when it comes to economy, but... I believe it was over 90% of students now admit to using AI to possibly cheat on their (laughs) assignments. And that's quite a significant amount. And I think what that really suggests is that these students might lose a lot of their creativity Mm, and also skills, right? Because even if there's an argument about maybe essays not even being something that students write anymore, It's an important skill. In fact, both writing and reading are very important skills to have. The way you digest and also spread information is probably as important as any other skill and possibly even more important. I mean, if you have a very creative idea, but you can't communicate that in a very efficient way. If someone's reviewing your idea and the marketing team's looking at it and they don't understand it as well, even though in your head you sort of have that understanding and experience. 
it won't tie in very well with the marketing team or whoever mm. you're communicating that idea with. Mm. And then from the religion aspect of it, I think AI has a lot of implication when it comes to the ideas of ethics and consciousness. In Islam, we have the idea of Tawheed, and it's the sense of oneness with God. And I think if you say that AI has consciousness, then how does that explain the connection with God? Does AI have a connection with Allah? And then if AI isn't conscious, then what implications does that have with super intelligent AI in the future? From a Catholic perspective, when it comes to the consciousness of AI, we believe that all humans were endowed with an immaterial soul. And it's this soul that which gives us consciousness. But I believe personally that machines cannot have consciousness because they were never endowed with a immaterial soul. Because in Thomism, which is the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas, which the Catholic Church uses in many of its teachings, the consciousness originates from the soul which we all have. So yeah, I just want to piggyback off of that Islamic perspective. You know, like I said, Islam is a really, really big factor in my life. I just want to go into, you know, AI is something that personally, I'm very cautious, you know, from a Muslim side, I'm very cautious with using because, you know, something that is really taught in Islam is the idea of deen over dunya and also cherishing the imam or the faith, right? So AI is this idea of, you know, you get a task, you're teaching a robot or using machine learning or whatever it is, deep learning, you're teaching it to solve a task, right? A material task, something in the material world, right? So let's say ChatGBT right now, you know, it's programmed to answer questions. It doesn't know what it's saying out there. That's why we have problems, you know, with misinformation, right? And we're also going to go into that idea of misinformation. That's a really big topic. But, you know, before we get into that, I think, you know, just in general, in my opinion, AI will not have a soul, right? You know, the beauty of being human, in my belief, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with this idea of having a soul, having that emotional attachment, that belief in, or that idea of, you know, you can go out and pray, you can go out and meet people, you can connect with people. There's that emotional feeling of that soul and that connection. That's something that AI will never have. So, you know, with that in mind, that's why I'm like more cautious towards using AI and also getting too entangled in AI. You know, there's this company called, I think, Reflexive or Replica, sorry, Replica, right? And what they do is they're like replicating loved ones in AI format. And for me, I think that's really weird. Like, in yeah. my opinion, like what is going on there? I think we may get too attached to these, just in general, you know, material goods, materialism, right? In Islam, it's really bad to attach yourself to material object or wealth or fame or whatever it is. And I could see how this may be happening with AI where we're getting too attached to using AI, depending on AI, instead of, you know, harboring a connection with Allah and our deen or, you know, in Max's case, you know, with God in that Catholic perspective as well. Ko? Yes, I would say, I mean, in Islam, there's quite a bit of emphasis by Allah regarding not going too in-depth with what you don't know. Exactly. And to be very cautious because in some ways there might be sort of this whisper from the devil regarding... Shaitan. Yes, exactly. And this thing you might not know could be a way you might commit some form of sin. And I think that's something important to consider. And also just in general, 
when companies like Replica, as you mentioned, use these AI models to possibly bring loved ones back. What I've noticed is that there's been an ad campaign behind this. In fact, mm. this has become an advertising tactic yes, for them yes. to here, let's create this intimate experience or some form of experience that might be very emotionally strong with a user. However, it's not real. And when you take that away yeah. from them, what yes. what does that mean, right? Because a lot of users, in fact, online, you can see their experiences. They've felt very depressed when they've mm. taken away that intimate part of their life all of a sudden. So yeah, I think there's like an ethical dilemma when it comes to emotions and AI. I think to add on to that, I think it's a form of almost like necromancy, mm. bringing back the dead through AI. And I think something that must be cautioned is that AI could be a source of idolatry because when we, we're going to turn our care from the divine to the world, to the things mm. man created instead of to God. Mm. So that's something we must be aware of. So, you know, that's really interesting. And that's why I love, you know, having interfaith conversations as well. I think that's really interesting is that idea of, you know, are we putting the dunya over the deen, the world, dunya's world, deen is like religion. Are we putting that world aspect over religion? So, Cole, you're a software developer, right? So how do you sort of manage or balance that idea of the deen and dunya, you know, not going too far into, you know, working with AI, but also making sure that you're not getting too attached to just working with the machine? Well, I believe there needs to be certain levels of regulation mm. and there will be regulation but for many other different reasons mainly due to their economic prospects however i think even if you might not necessarily say that there's a significant outreach from the government regarding religion the impact is still there by ai right even if it might not be related to a particular religion i think when you're taking away that connection with God and also just the real world, there is this sense of materialism that comes with that. And you might end up interpreting consciousness and also emotions with physical things. Mm. When in a sense, in Islam and also many other religions, we tend to think that there's a form of dualism going on with not only there being a physical body, but also a soul attached to every living being and also in some cases specifically humans mm. so max what do you sort of think well i mean i'll just say this about dualism once again is so i think just in general dualism is just such a great idea it's incredible right the idea of you have this physical reality this physical sense but you also need to nurture your spiritual sense as well right the soul i feel like that idea of harboring and connecting with the spiritual side has kind of laxed in our generation. It's kind of fell off recently. And that's why I feel like we're seeing more depression, more anxiety, more connecting, more of these problems where we're going too far into this materialism, connecting with AI or, you know, more online realities compared to making sure we're staying on top of our spiritual needs as well. I think that's something that's really risen in the past couple of years. Yeah, especially because of, you know, YouTube and television. Mm. It sucks away time from God to instead we're into this self-indulgence with the television and YouTube, especially with YouTube, with, you know, algorithms that find videos that you would more likely to click on. And especially with AI, with the rise of AI, 
these algorithms would be more effective at drawing our attention mm -hmm. away from God and away from our responsibilities to YouTube and videos. No, yeah, I think that's a really good point is AI is only going to worsen the problem in that sense, right? Because it's going to be more complex in terms of the algorithm to use. I was watching this movie the other day. I forgot. I think it was like Social Network or something. Social Network. Social yeah. Network, yeah. It's a really good movie just talking about just how, you know, algorithms are used to attract people to social media more, right? You like something and then it's this process where more posts or more ideas are stemmed into a recommended page or onto the stream. So you see more of that and you're scrolling away, scrolling away. Next thing you know, an hour has gone by, right? But with AI, there's that potential of it becoming worse, right? Ko, I know you want to step in on my mistakes. Yeah. There. And I'm glad you mentioned, like we've been referring to AI as a sort of vague process. What is this process? And the scary thing is we don't even know what this process is. Mm. We've created these models and yes, they go through different stages. Generally, the way we interpret AI is a bunch of neurons that go through weighing different values. And then by the end of it, you end up with some sort of outcome. And it's between that input and output that we end up maybe not knowing what goes on. And that's the scary part is if we don't know what the AI is doing and what mm. process it's going through, it might end up being very dangerous in the future if it decides to possibly infiltrate different technical aspects of our lives. And then, Rizwan, you also mentioned virtual reality or sort of this increasing sense of virtual environments mm. that we've created. Recently, I sort of saw this post with Meta the company creating virtual environments yes, for yes, yes. people going to Hajj and praying. And it's in some ways funny, but also concerning because it feels like, again, that connection, that physical connection with the location, why that place is holy in the first place is no longer there. Okay. We create that environment. Yeah. I just want to, that also connects what we were saying earlier with that idea of the experience, right? Why do people go to Hajj? You know, I want to go to Hajj in the future. I can't wait to go to, go to Mecca. It's going to be beautiful. With my family, my kids, that would be so fun. But, you know, there's that experience of going to the place, seeing the beautiful Kaaba, touching the black rock, seeing the grave of the Holy Prophet I think these are, you know, just things that are going to be lost with AI and virtual reality. I feel like meta doing that, I think it's stupid. And those Muslims that then start relying on that, they're going to start saying, oh, I've been to Hajj. You know, there's five pillars in Islam. One of them is going to pilgrimage, going to Hajj, right? So... What if Muslims start then making excuses saying, oh, I already went to Hajj, I went it on, did it on Meta, right? That's something that's really dangerous because now we're going to start losing our faith where, you know, what if something that comes up where we start praying online? I don't know, you never know, right? So we're losing that experience is what I'm worried about. I'd say even if virtual reality gets more and more realistic, for example, when they go to the Hajj, like in virtual reality, it'll still lack the spiritual connection that the physical location would have. Because like, Think about it, like I'm going virtual reality, I put on my goggles or whatever it is, right? And I go in and I'm at Mecca, there's the Kaaba. Do you think I'm feeling something like big compared to booking a trip, sacrificing tremendous amounts of time, right? Going there, dressing yourself in the tunic, shaving your head, right? Doing all the rituals, throwing rocks to the devil, walking between Safa and Marwa. You know, these are things that are actually tangible experiences compared to, you know, going online and just... Walking up there, you know, loading in, teleporting, oh, we're at Mecca now, right? 
That's something that's extremely dangerous. And that's something I'm really worried about. Ko, you know a little bit more about this because you're more technical in that regard. What do you think about, you know, just the dangers it could pose on, you know, Muslims as a Muslim yourself? What do you think about that? Yeah, so a lot of these experiences that we might have in some cases may become less and less even satisfying. Mm. I've heard many very dangerous stories of individuals being very connected with their virtual headsets, people who do have them. And sometimes they build these bonds with people online. Sometimes they become very strong and then they might not even want to go out in the real world and even live any particular experiences. Or maybe they even meet very dangerous people in those experiences and environments. And overall, that has translated to less and less sort of dopamine being released in particular experiences that you might have. Even just going to pray, again, has that connection with God. Do you still have that connection in the first place when you're there praying in a virtual environment? I certainly believe not. When I pray, when I go through that process, it feels, to me at least, that I have that spiritual connection Mm -hmm. and conversation with God himself. However, that certainly doesn't exist or that Mm -hmm. feeling doesn't exist when I'm in a virtual environment. And I certainly think that it takes away from that experience and anyone that might suggest that they're praying virtually don't truly have the same intentions that you might have if you're physically praying. In Catholicism, there are many pilgrimages similar to Mm. with you and the Hajj. For example, there's one in Spain where you walk many kilometers to a site with many relics. But, you know, again, people are going to think that doing it on virtual reality is going to be an adequate substitute to doing the real thing. But also, when it comes to what you mentioned earlier, Ko, about talking to others in virtual reality, the friendship that they may have is less than what we may have since we know each other in, yeah, in real life. Because right. it's one thing to talk to someone like online, but it's a whole new deal when you see them face to face. There's a much deeper connection that you have. And that's something that worries me about technology is that we're able to make these long distance connections. However, those connections are going to be way weaker than if we know each other in real life and we speak to each other in real life. Okay. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, we're all here today. We're all talking. There's a beauty in this, right? Yes, absolutely. Compared to, you know, calling on FaceTime or, well, not FaceTime, but like on an audio call, comparing that to seeing, you know, Max's handsome face, Coast's incredible glasses in person. There's just a feeling in that, right? But you know, we're talking about how this is a problem, this is a problem. How do we solve that, you know, that lack of connection? You know what I think? It's necessary that we keep to faith. I feel like faith is a solution to a lot of our problems, right? But the problem is Generation Z, we have like the lowest religiosity rate compared to other generations as well. People have turned religion into this enemy, this bad, because you're committing to something that's black and white, right? But I feel like if more of us were to connect with God in any religion it is, right? I believe the best one is Islam. You believe it's uh, Christianity, Catholicism, of course, right? But there's still that sense of, I feel like our generation needs that God, needs to connect, needs to put more of our effort into praying instead of focusing on these other things. What do you guys think is a solution to our problem? I think one of the main things when it comes to religion is when I meet someone who might be an atheist, and I have a discussion with them regarding religion, and they might, in some cases, view religion as this sort of negative thing, as you suggested. And I think the biggest pro to religion is 
when you're not religious in many cases and you're not knowledgeable and maybe not philosophically aware when it comes to your own life and your experiences, religion becomes a very great way to find purpose. Mm. In fact, even though our generation might not be very religious, we also feel quite the lowest sense of purpose as well. And I think the lack of religion and faith being there is a major contributor to that lack of purpose. So, I mean, Max, yeah, yourself. Many, um, yeah, many people have a negative view of religion. Many of my friends, they view religion as like a negative institution that like, controls people. And they think of like, you know, bad things in history that religion may have caused. But I used to be less religious. But when I looked into Catholicism, in the 2000 years of philosophy and teachings that have been refined for 2000 years, it amazes me the amount of like myths about religion there are mm. and the amount of misconceptions. And when you look into them, it's really incredible. Also, to add on to what Rizwan said earlier about many people in Gen Z having anxiety and stress, I know in my personal experience, religion has you know, cured me of like, anxiety mm. and stress. Because when you have this faith, you have this bedrock throughout all of like, life's sufferings and the turmoils of life. You have God through it all. That's a big thing. Is right. having some connection to go through when we're feeling down or feeling bad, right? And, you know, just in general with people who I've talked to about religion, I feel like there's something saying is like you're committing to something, right? I want to be free, right? But the problem is, is there's this beauty in committing to something, right? Even, you know, people who marry, right? Committing to a wife, committing to locking in and getting my work in, right? There's a beauty in that. So I think us as Gen Z, we need to... Be able to look at the beauty in religion instead of looking at, you know, sometimes bad events happen, right? But we can't misconstrue that to say all religion is bad, all events are bad, everything is bad, right? God is not real, right? In my opinion, like Ko said, committing yourself to something and believing in something gives that sense of purpose. It gives that sense of I'm going to do my work, but at the end of the day, my commitment is to God, to praying to him, to understanding his teaching, to understanding the Quran, in your sense, the Bible right? So we have that commitment, that purpose. And a lot of people in our generation don't have that. And that's where you get a lot of toxicity, right? Because we're striving for this job, that job, you know, Plano West, it's rank, extracurriculars. If I hear EC one more time, I'm going to kill somebody. It's just hearing, you know, this competition, right? But the beauty in our faith, you know, my, my Muslim brother, Ko, my Christian brother, Max, right, is we have that sense of devotion to something that's better than us, something that's higher than us. At the end of the day, that's where we'll go when we die. I'm Robert Hunt with Rizwan Khan, Koshra Azizi, and Maxwell Stephen, and this has been Interfaith Encounters. <laughs>